Well, you know what, as you're standing here this morning, how about we just pray for the situation in Queensland, New South Wales with the floods? Um, I'm aware that there's a couple of people who've lost their lives in New South Wales through drowning. And, and you know, um, uh, Queensland, certainly North Queensland has faced its heartache. And there's people today who've lost property and houses. And, you know, it's just heartache. And Rocky is yet to feel the full brunt of the force of their flood on Wednesday, apparently. And, and uh, you know, just, just all situations. And it seems to be Gladstone sits in the middle really blessed and just get a bit of rain and localised flooding. You know, there's some people suffering today. and. You know, God's heart's towards them. Whether they acknowledge him or not, God's heart is towards them. So today, Lord, we would just stand as a, a congregation of people and we would pray for the people who are suffering today through loss of property. Maybe there's those couple families of lost loved ones today. Father, you would comfort them and, and that they would see through other people your incredible love and comfort as they people give them finance, as they help them, as they support them. Father, from... New South Wales, right through to the top of North, of North Queensland. We pray that people will be out there just being Jesus to people. And, and, and for those who may not know you, Lord, that they'd see something of God's love and touch. And we pray your encouragement at hand. You know, Lord, I'm just thankful that every gray cloud is a silver lining when we are involved with you. Because you can turn all things around for good. And I thank you for that. And do that in this situation, we pray. We just thank you for Gladstone. We thank you. We know some people have suffered in our community, water in their houses, and things have happened, and you know, businesses have gone under. But Lord, today we pray you will comfort their hearts as well. And we commit ourselves to in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody. You may um, take your seats. Hey, thanks, team. We're going to release all the young people to the young people's discipleship class. That'd be great. You, can, you guys can go out. Yeah. 12 and uh, 13 year olds. I just want to turn your attention this morning to uh, a well known passage of scripture, Luke chapter 15. It's a story of the prodigal son, the lost son, the younger son, whatever you'd like to call it. But I want to just read a little, pa- a little segment of that story to you, and we have it on the screen, but use your own iPad, phone, or Bible. But it's there for those who maybe forgot one this morning. Just to fill you in a little bit before we get to verse 16, you'll be aware that a man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, I would want uh, my inheritance. Give me my inheritance. Do, do you know in Jewish custom, that was like the younger son saying to the father, I wish you were dead? That's a great way to treat your dad, isn't it? <laughs> because, because historically and traditionally, um, the sons only ever received the inheritance when the father passed away. And so this younger man saying to his father, just give me my inheritance, was like, well, dad, I just wish you were dead. He didn't have a great regard. He didn't honor his dad. And he took his inheritance, and it says he went to a far country, and he spent it. He wastefully used it and abused it. And he found that in time, he had nothing left, and he found that all his friends had gone, and all his money had gone, and he didn't have to you know, sell whatever he had. And he found him. there was a, also coincided with a famine in the land and when there's a famine in, in, in the Middle East, that means there's no food. And thus he found himself having um, to hire himself out to a piggery, which was a, wasn't a really good thing for a Jew. <laughs> Jew. Jewish people class pigs as unclean. And so here he is not just feeding the pigs, but he's wanting to eat what they eat because no one is giving him anything to eat. He is, you know, mal- in malnutrition, he's starving, he doesn't know his future. And so we take up the story in verse 16, and it says, He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, 
but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, and in a new international version it says, then he began to think clearly again. It's always a good thing to think clearly. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and I'm starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. The rest of the story, that's the main part I want to read, but the rest of the story goes on. He got up and went to his father. He rehearsed his little speech. I'm going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And his father saw him and rushed to him and kissed him and hugged him and embraced him. He said, Dad, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I should be a hired. He says, no, I'm going to. Father embraced him and had a celebration and killed a fatted calf and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his foot and clothes on his back and they had a brilliant time. And he, you know, that's a, a great response, a gracious response from a father whose son had told him that he wished he was dead. A gracious response by the father. And, and it really kind of um, gives us a clear example of what our Heavenly Father is like towards us, the incredible grace he extends to us and the love he has for us. And so, of course, the, the youngest son was restored not as a hired servant, but as a son. I want to draw your attention to those verses, but because I think the young man in verse 17, he came to his senses, so he started to think clearly. And I think it, it doesn't say in Scripture, but I think he'd have to ask himself the question, how did I get myself into this mess? <laughs> you know, how could I have been so stupid? I don't know. Um, if you've ever asked yourself that question, but I've asked myself that question sometimes, and I think it's a good question to ask. How did I do this? Sometimes again, <laughs> how did I do this? Um, and, you know, uh, do you have some decisions that if given an opportunity, you'd go back and do it differently? I know I have. Um, I'd, uh, I wouldn't waste that money I wasted. I wish I could take back some of the words I spoke. It's just that you can't grab them and put them back in your mouth. And the old saying is you can't eat your words is applicable. We'd like to. But there's some words I've spoken, I think, even in this week that I wish I'd... That was wrong. That was silly. I just want to take it back. I want to redo that. Just give me another chance. It, but you can't because they're out there for everybody to listen to. Some actions that I've been involved in and that have been a spur of the moment actions, and I wish I hadn't done those things. Can you relate to that? I think we all can. There's some things we'd like to do differently if given opportunity. Wouldn't it be great if we had a little time machine that could just take us back and we just redo that part of our life? But it doesn't happen. It'd be brilliant. It's not going to happen. And this young man didn't, this, he didn't foresee the pain of his future. None of us do. He didn't see the pain of his consequences of his actions. He, the truth is um, um, no one sees the end results of what we do. And, and the reality is that most people um, don't plan to mess up their life. I don't plan to mess up my life. You would never plan. No one does. No one writes a little note themselves, let's mess up my life today. It doesn't happen that way. But you know what I've discovered? Sometimes we mess up our lives because we don't plan not to. We need to make some decisions about planning not to. We need to be deliberate in planning not to. Um, the young man didn't plan it this way. He didn't expect to fall and have all the pain that he did. But, um, you know, no one plans to raise irresponsible children, but parents plan not to sometimes, and that's why that happens. No one, no one plans to get credit card debt and, and find themselves really struggling financially, but sometimes if they just plan not to, they wouldn't have. They didn't make a decision about not doing that. He was, 
And this young man, as we see, he ran out of money, he ran out of friends, but he continued to waste it. He continued to ignore the signs. And, of course, a famine came, and that was the last straw for him, and he finds himself in a difficult situation. And sometimes we only make bad decisions. Sorry, we not only make bad decisions, but we seek to justify our bad decisions and that's not a good place to be I think this young man would have just tried to justify himself for a season oh it's okay I've got plenty of money left when the money's running out and I've got friends who'll give me money and they didn't they left him probably and I know it doesn't say that in scripture but I'm kind of guessing that would happen and so we don't plan to make bad decisions but we've got to be careful we don't get into that situation where we'll be justified and we can have people make bad decisions sound very reasonable sometimes. I've had people come to me with a bad financial decision and, it's, and they've made it sound like an incredible financial opportunity. I've had young men, come, you know, um, young men and women come to me and make out this bad relationship is, is an incredible opportunity to evangelize. Now, it could be, but often it's not. <laughs> So we've got to be careful. Um, we can justify things, can't we? And we can be the masters. You know, some, sometimes in my life I eat junk food today and I justify by saying, well, it's only today. And you know, if it was only today, that'd probably be fine. But then I look through my week and it's yesterday and the day before and, and it's been all week. And then I wonder at the end of the week, well, you know, you feel a bit yuck. And I just try to justify, well, it's only one week. <laughs> so we, we've got to be aware um, that we could be masters of self-deception. Is anybody hearing me? I can be a master. I am the best self-deceiver sometimes. I've got to just go, stop that. Stop this young man was <laughs> for a season. And the very, this is a good thought, the very fact that we're giving ourselves reason to do something is a good indication that maybe it is a bad decision. Because I notice that when I, when I make um, the, good decisions, I don't give myself reasons to make a good decision, but I give myself reasons to make decisions, which is probably an indication it's probably a bad decision. Do you know what I'm saying? When I'm making a good decision, I, have, I don't give myself reasons to do it. It's just a great decision. Buy flowers for your wife. I don't have anybody. I don't have to give a reason. Just It's a great decision. But then, you know, when I'm making a decision that I ask myself about and say, is that you know, and I try to justify that decision, it's probably a good indication it's a bad decision. So instead of making right decisions in life, we can spend a huge amount of time trying to make decisions right. I'll say it again, instead of making right decisions, we can spend a huge amount of time trying to make decisions right. Me and I have done that. And I probably still won't get it perfect, but the greatest threat to me, you know, about my future life, you know what the greatest threat to me is? It's not other people or other circumstances, it's me. The greatest threat to you this morning about your future life is not someone else, it's you. Because you really are ultimately the person who's going to make the decisions. God is always there, but are we receptive to what? You may want to help us with. So can we make right decisions? Of course we can. Can we live wise and not foolish? Of course we can. Is there a future? I hope, of course there is. And Paul gives us some incredible words of advice. And I wanted to just um, 
lean into these verses just for a moment this morning from, from Ephesians chapter 5. And it just says this. I, um, I'll just click it over there. No, we've gone too far. Here we are. Ephesians 5. It says this, 15 to 17. Paul says this. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as what? Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Let me just say verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So Paul is asking, he says, would you ask this question? Paul says, this is the question that we should ask. He says, what would be, when you're making a decision, when you come into to a crossroads in life, or when you come into something you're not quite sure about, here's the question you need to ask. Would this be a wise thing to do? Now, the truth, that's not a typical question that we ask ourselves. We don't go around asking ourselves, but I want to just encourage you from this day forth, would you actually employ that little tactic, that question? Ask yourself, is this a wise thing to do? Because I've come to understand in my life, and maybe yours, that a lot of the time, the question that we ask ourselves is this, and it's, it's not the best question. The question we ask is, is it wrong? We're kind of asking, is it wrong? And uh, we work off the assumption that if it isn't wrong, that it must be okay. Because if it's not unethical or illegal or, or um, if it's not immoral, then it should be okay, shouldn't it? So when we ask the question, is there anything wrong with it, we find ourselves asking another question not too far down the track. How far can I go before something is wrong with it? And then the question becomes a little bit more broader, and we say, how close can I get to the line without actually crossing the line of wrong? And every boy that asks, uh, has asked that question regards the relationship with a girl. Some way or somehow, where's the line? How far can I get to it? I think every, every accountant has asked that question in relation to tax laws. I think every person who's on a diet has asked that question. How far can I get to the line? How, you know, how far can I? And you know what happens? Eventually we ask the question, how far can I get over the line? And how many times can I go over the line of what's right without getting caught? I ask that all the time when I'm driving. So we find ourselves on a slippery slope. And, we, and you know, I want to say it's the wrong question. Paul says the right question is, this is a better question. Is what I'm about to do or the decision I'm about to make, is it wise? Is it the wise thing to do? Not is it right or wrong? Because often, you know, the truth is we, we get a little bit gray in those, those areas because we're not quite sure. Well, is it right? Is it wrong? You know, there's a lot of things in your life that aren't wrong, but they're not wise. So what is the see? God doesn't ask us to live asking the question: Is anything wrong? Is it eth, is it ethical or is it illegal? Which is like asking the question: How close can I get to sinning without sinning? Uh, instead, why not use the question: What is the wisest thing to do right now? Paul says, "Live wisely, live wisely." So this young man, if I can draw my thoughts now back to the original passage of scripture that we had in Luke 15, and just draw some conclusions and some thoughts in relation to the, that how we apply this question. Because in verse 17, this young man, it says, when he came to his senses, in other words, when he started to think clearly again, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and I'm starving to death? Here's the first thought for you this morning. 
This young man is now evaluating his present situation, but he's looking at past experience. He's drawing from past thoughts. He's thinking about, you know, when I was living with my dad, my high-end servants had a better lifestyle than I have right now, living in this pig pen. He's drawing from past experience, and, he's, and it's making him think about that, how he should make a wise decision right now. And I want to say, if you want to make wise decisions, evaluate every decision by asking in the light of my past experience what would be the wise thing for me to do. Because, um, because the truth is, we all have a, a past. We all have um, things that have happened, both good and bad to us. And we learn from the good and bad, and we draw from that, and we can say, well, that bad thing, hopefully we say, I'm not going to do that again. And the good thing, we say, well, I can repeat that one because that's a good thing. So in the light of the present situation, we need to draw from our past and not ignore our past. Or not, you know, Sometimes we, uh, we don't need to live there, but we certainly need to remember it. There was a wonderful philosopher called George Centania, and he said this, those who can't remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And I thought, that is so true. And so if we don't face up to what mistakes we made yesterday, we can then find that today we end up making the same mistakes. God doesn't want us to live that way. I, uh, I mentioned um, driving. I'm really not that bad. I, uh, I haven't had a speeding ticket for five years. Is that about right? I haven't had a speeding ticket for five years. Folks, that is a real win for me. <laughs> and for all of those who think I'm just so ungodly, it's okay. You've got speeding tickets maybe too. But the reality is, um, so maybe for the you know, 30 years before this last five years, I was averaging about a speeding ticket every two or three years. And you know what? I'd get a speeding ticket and say, man... Why do I get a speeding ticket? I get upset with myself, not with the police officer or anybody else. What is the wrong with me? Can I learn from my past mistakes? Obviously not. What's wrong? And so, you know, and, the, and I, as I started to think about it, I realized often what I do is I can jump in the, not so much lately, I can jump in the car and the things that I have to do and the places I have to go and the people I have to love or whatever I have to do, it gets, I get consumed by that. And before I knew it, I'm doing 65 instead of 60. And you know, if I do that, and what I've discovered is it's all about um, probability. If you do it many, enough times, the police are actually going to catch you. I don't know whether it's 10 times or 15 times, but they're going to catch you eventually if you continue to do it. And so I've worked it out. I only speed once a month now, you know, but no. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. But obviously in the last five years, I've learned something. Just do the speed. I actually learned this from Malcolm Cusack. Because when he drives, he always does the speed. That's what I, I'm not the bad, I'm talking about the good. When Malcolm drives, he always does the speed. I hop in the car and I'm thinking about the future. I'm looking at the, can't just speed it up a bit. No, I'm thinking, you know what? He always does the speed. And I think that's what you've got to do. <laughs> It's not too hard, is it? It's not rocket science. But sometimes we just, see, we've got to draw from our past to take, live in our present and to take it into our future. 
And we've got to learn from our mistakes. We all have a personal history. It's unique for all of us. It's impacted you today. It, the truth is, good and bad has impacted you. It, it, it's a means of both strength and weakness because of your past history. But there are certain places you would be wise to stay away from because you know that's not a good place because you've learned in your past history that's not a good place for you to be. And it's, and it's not necessarily right or wrong. It's just a bad place for you because you learn from your history. You learn from your past. Some people, I've, I've, you know, some people have cut up their credit cards. You say, that's a bit radical. No, for them it's wise. Because they realize that they can't have a credit card and be out of debt at the same time. <laughs> so they just get rid of it. Now, should we, what's wrong with anything wrong with credit cards? Nothing's wrong. I've got one. A lot of us have got one. They're good. But, you know, for a person who struggles to keep it under wraps and keep it, you know, within the financial budget, it is a problem. So it's wise to get rid of it, probably for them. I know some people have taken the internet off their phones. Anything wrong with internet on your phones? Not at all. Nothing wrong with it. But if you have a history of looking at stuff that's rubbish or rude or time-consuming, then it's probably a good thing that you take it off your phone. Seems a bit radical. But it's, the Bible doesn't call it stupid or foolish. The Bible calls it wise. It's wise. See, see, our history tells us some places we don't need to go and some places we don't need to visit. So in the light of our past experience, do the wise thing and steer away so that you never fall again into that same mistake. It's, I know you think, oh, this is, I understand that. Well, good. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Some may think a bit extreme. No, the Bible calls it wise. Don't live your life foolish because that's how you make mistakes. And we set ourselves up to fail when we just continue to ask the question, is there anything wrong with it? Because often there's not anything wrong with it, but it's wrong for us. It's wrong for us. And we need to ask a better question, is it wise? Because when you ask that question, it's a, it's a question that can go right across everybody's heart because it's, wisdom is what we all need. You know, if, if I was to say, is it wrong? It mightn't be wrong for me. It might be wrong for someone else. It might be wrong, mightn't be wrong for you, but it might be wrong for me. But when we say, is it wise? We all have to see what the truth of it matter is. It's a different question. And in the light of our history, we need to be aware of that and we need to consider. This young man was saying, you know what? You know what my history is? My history is that the, even the servants live better than I'm living now. And out of that, he made a decision to go back to his dad. It was a wise choice. Would you agree? He saw his history, he thought about his history, and he made a wise choice. Here's the second question or the second thought in regards to this young man. Verse 17 again. We'll read it again. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He made an evaluation not only in the light of his past, but he made an evaluation in the light of his present. He said, you know what? Presently, I'm starving to death. Not a good place to be. I'm living in a pig pen. Not a good place to be. He, he, he realized that this was something he needed to change. And you know, we all need to look at our present circumstances to make wise decisions. The thing that I like to say is life is seasonal. After the rain, there's sunshine. Anybody agree? Amen about that. After the cooler temperatures, I mean, after the warmer temperatures, going to come cooler temperatures. Did you notice it's just getting a little cooler in the mornings? I love that. So seasons come and go. Would you agree? 
If we were not careful, we could allow the pressures and circumstances of today's seasons to drive us to make bad decisions about our whole life for the future. And we've got to realize it's just a season. It's just a season. In the case of this young man, he looked at his present situation. Instead of being proud and stubborn, he made a wise choice to humble himself and go home. Great decision. He ultimately really was asking the question, is it wise? And he said, it is wise. I need to go home. And he looked, and in the light of his present situation, he made a great decision. Unfortunately, many people make rash decisions on the spur of the moment when they're in difficult seasons, when there is much emotion and they live to regret it because of the high emotion. So I want to encourage you this morning, biblically, it's so true that we've got to just weigh up the present situation. Don't allow the emotion of the, of the moment or the emotion of this season to influence the decision you make for the future. Allow yourself. It's like a parent disciplining a child. They want to kill the child, but that's not a good thing to do. Would you agree? Yeah, it, was, it was a silly question. I'm just making sure. You know, and you want to, now what you do is I found as a, as a parent is calm down. Realize emotion does not going to prove anything. Calm down and then build. No, no. Calm down and then make a decision on how you discipline them. Does any parents here agree? Because a whack, when you're super angry, is not going to do them any good. When you're controlled and whack them, that's, that's different. And if you can, come and see me later if you struggle with whacking, but the Bible says, bear the rod and you will spoil the child. Anyway, how did we get onto that? Maybe someone needed to hear it. Anyway, different seasons come and go. Um, our emotions come and go. And we need to take in consideration how we're going to live today in the light of the present season. And realize if it's a difficult season, don't make rash decisions. Um, um, because in one moment, we make a decision about today and we live to regret it about tomorrow, what we've done. And if there's one thing we need to learn, that seasons do not need to dictate to you how you make decisions because the truth is it's just a season. It's just a season. It's not the time to think this is how life is going to be forever. This is what my life is going to be like forever. Not necessarily at all. It's just a season, and uh, we need to make good decisions. I always remember that um, 1991 was a big year for Michelle and I. Michelle was pregnant. It was the same year that I came to be a pastor in this church. I left my job, engineering job at the power station. Michelle, um, then we had to make a decision about Michelle's job. She was a dental therapist, and, and we're thinking, Lord, this is... Uh, what are we going to do, you know, from two nice wages to one smaller wage, you know, this, and we've got a baby on the way, and what a decision we're going to make. And, the, and, you know, ultimately we thought, you know what, what's the priority here? Is it finance or is it, um, is it, it family togetherness and, and, and commitment? And we decided it was the family was important. So we put that high on the priority list, and so Michelle had our first little girl, and she didn't go back to work because I was in a transition, in a transition time of new job and, you know, out late and doing all these things. And we need at least one parent in the home who is going to be stable. Not that I'm unstable, but I'm just, <laughs> I just needed one parent to be there when they, you know, for the, ch- for the children. And Michelle never worked for many, many years. And, and that was just a season. Now, is it right or wrong for parent mothers to work? No, it's not right or wrong. Everybody needs to make a decision based on their priorities and their season. But for us, it was the right decision. It was the right decision at the right time. Now, in the last two years, Michelle started work again after all that time. So it, there's decisions we've got to make based upon not is it right or wrong, but is it wise? 
And it's in the light of the present circumstance that we need to make it. Some people get a divorce and then find themselves in a relationship fairly quickly. Is that wrong or right? No, I couldn't say wrong or right. Is it wise? Well, you know, interesting enough, I've, 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 heard, I've never heard anybody say that they waited too long to get in a relationship. But unfortunately, I've heard plenty of people say, in hindsight, I, I went into it too quickly. And then, am I here to connect? No, I'm not here to connect. I'm just saying that reality is, is that it's not right or wrong. You just need to find what's the priority and what the right thing for you in those circumstances and ask the question, is it wise? Not is it right or wrong. Is it wise? So it's important in the light of our past experience. It's also important in the light of our present situation this season to ask the question, is it wise? And so often decisions are not a matter of is it illegal or is it immoral, but is, it, is, it, is there wisdom in this? And uh, I think it's very important that we look at that. Here's the, uh, here's the third thought in regards to this young man. It says, verse 17, I'll read it again. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, verse 18, and go back to my father and say to him, verse 19, Make me like one of your hired servants. I've missed out a little bit there, but um, the point is here. This young man could see a preferred future. He was thinking about, you know what? I can see a better day. I can see a better day. I can see myself now with clothes on my back, at least eating in the servants' quarters, at least having food on my table, at least having a roof over my head, and you know, at least starting to enjoy life. He started to see a better preferred future. He could see that. And so not only do we need to make decisions and ask the question, is it wise in the light of our past and our present, but also you need to make decisions based upon the fact of what you want to see for your preferred future. And I've got, and none of us have probably written it down, but we, if I asked you, you've got some thoughts about where you want to be in a year and five years and ten years or whatever it may be. You've got to thought about it. Some of us have got a preferred future. We want to see good things happening, blessing and fruitfulness in us and our children, our grandchildren or whatever it may be. We want to see, we've got a bit of an idea, but you know, we haven't necessarily got it on paper, but we've got it in our hearts. And here's the deal, people. People get robbed of their dreams and... Here is the tragic thing. We rob ourselves. We rob ourselves of a wonderful future. This young man thankfully didn't. In the light of what he could see, he got up out of that pig pen and he went to his dad. He didn't know what the reception would be like. It was a, it was a bit of a risk. It was a trust thing. But he went back and he thought, even if they treat me like a servant, it's better than what I'm doing now. And the future was assured as his father embraced him. So we need to think about, what do I want my marriage, my finances, my job, my, my children to look like in five and ten years' time? And you know what? If you want them to look good and fruitful, you need to make the decision today about within the light of what your future you want to look what you want it to look like. Is that true? Are you all okay there? You're a bit quiet. You're just thinking. Great. See, we rob ourselves with when we make decisions today with little or no consideration for our future. Too many risks, too much alcohol, too much food, junk food, too many nights out, too many missed opportunities, too many relationships. I don't know. What is it? I'm just throwing them out there. Things done today can rob you of tomorrow. We need to make choices with the end in mind. The health of your marriage, the health of your relationships, health of your job, health of your finance. 
health of your children. Determined, all are determined today. Ultimate, you know, not just today, but maybe tomorrow as well. But ultimately about the decisions. The little decisions can add up to make big decisions, can't they? The little things and the little decisions we die today. Financial health tomorrow is determined by the decision you make today about how you're going to use your finance. Physical health today is determined large in part to what you eat in the next few days. Because, you know, if you get into a habit of eating that and it's not good, you'll find that it just continues. And three years down the track, you wonder why you've got kidney stones. And I'm not, not speaking kids, anybody's got kidney stones. Or you'll wonder why this is wrong or diabetes. You know, folks, stop drinking all that Coke. <laughs> because I just experienced that not too many weeks ago when I just had oodles of Coke and I got sick. Too much sugar, I've discovered. You'd think I'd learned the lesson by now. Wouldn't that be true? Is there anything wrong with Coke? No, not at all. But, you know, anyway. The health of your relationship with your children today, you've only got a window, parents, is determined by the time we spend with them today. You've only got a window with them, determined to put them on the priority list. Amen? So it's, today I want to say it's not too late. It's not too late for our future, our finance, our marriage, our relationships, because all those things, what will they look like in 10 years if it depends on the decisions you're making today? And if you say, well, the decision I'm making today, if you're really honest and they're bad decisions today, you could always change those decisions because if you make some better decisions, those things will look brilliant in the future. But if you continue to live in just this world today and for the now, maybe those future things are not going to look so good. So evaluate decisions in today, what you need to do today in the light of past experience, present seasonal situation, and future dream and desires. Is that good advice? That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says, don't ask yourselves, is it wrong or right? Because often you won't get a conclusive answer. But ask yourself, is it Oh, just wait a sec. Ask yourself, is it wise? Is it wise? Is it wise? Paul says, know what the will of the Lord is. Do you know what? I find, I find that I discover the will of the Lord when I allow my mind to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind, so then I can know God's, God's good and perfect will for my life. You may say, God, give me a neon sign in the sky. More often than not, God doesn't do that. I've often found God gives neon signs in the sky and speaks to people audibly when they're really going off the rails. So, you know, be encouraged if you haven't heard God lately audibly speak to you because you're probably on the right track. Is that cool? So, but God says, if you want to really know my will, just let your mind be renewed. Start to think God's thoughts. Start to think scriptural promise. Start to think truth. Start to think wise thoughts and not just right or wrong, but wise thoughts. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that. Be not conformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can know God's will. We want the, oh God, just give me the answers. No, often he just wants you to change your heart so that you can form and walk in his will. (sighs) Thank you. I'm enjoying it too. (laughs) We're going to have communion this morning, right now. And uh, we're going to share together around the communion table. It's a great time just to 
just to do a little evaluation. It's a great time just to consider, just a time to weigh up. I'd love those attendants to come and actually start to pass out communion. If you could, that would be much appreciated. I, uh, there's, a, there's a passage of scripture that goes like this. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 26. It says, Paul said this to the church at Corinth. He says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So Paul's saying, I received something from God and I, and, and I want to deliver it to you now. I want you to know about it. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed by Judas, he took bread after their main meal. He took some bread. And when he had given thanks for it, he broke it and he said, take, eat. This is my, what is it? This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, you know, remember at this stage, Jesus hadn't died on any cross. He hadn't given his body for anything, but he's, he's giving them an illustrated sermon before he actually does it. He's, he's, he's doing a precursor to his death. Okay. So he said, eat this, eat this. Like, it's not my actual body, but it's, it represents my body. And he says, which is broken for you. And they're thinking, broken for you? What, what? They must have been wondering, what in the world is he talking about? But within 24 hours, they knew what he meant because his body was hung on a cross. His body was stripped bare on his back. And his body was certainly broken. And then he said, in the same manner, on verse 25, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new promise or new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So as often as you drink, as often as you take communion, however many times that may be, remember me. And this is my, he says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So he said, um, this is my blood as I drink of that wine. This is my, represents my blood that's been shed for you. And Today, he says very clearly, Paul says, would you remember this? Would you remember this? None of us were there at Calvary to see Jesus die on the cross. I've never seen a person crucified. I probably don't care to see a person crucified, but the way that they describe it, it it's excruciating, it's terrible, it's horrific, it's everything that we don't want to see. And we've seen the movies. And Jesus, it says, would you remember that Jesus done that for you and me? So really he's saying, would you just reach into your past memory and just draw from that and remember what I've done for you? I've bled and I've died for you 2,000 years ago. And the actions of Jesus on the cross changed history forever. Would you agree? Changed history. No other God, no other son of God has ever died for humanity. Jesus Christ did. Some claim to have died for humanity, but it never added up. Jesus was the truth. And so we reach into the past this morning as we take our little cup and our piece of biscuit and we say, thank you for what you've done back then because it affects my now. It gives me a hope and a future. And the now bit is he says, would you take and eat today? So today we're going to take it and we're going to eat it in remembrance of what happened back then. But in the light of right now, it affects us now. So that's the past. Now it's the now. And it says in Scripture what he did back then was his benefits were for us today. Can I read you Psalm 103? It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, 
What are the benefits from his death and resurrection? And it says, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns your you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. If that's some, some wonderful benefits for us, isn't it? He says, because of what happened past there, I now have these benefits for today. And not only is it the past and today, but it's also the future because he says in this verse, he says, till he comes, till he comes. He says, for often as you do this, Take communion until he comes. When will he come? I don't know when Jesus will come. I don't know if it'll be in my lifetime. I think it might be after I pass away. Maybe it will be. I don't know. But I don't stand waiting. I just am thankful that he's got a promise for my future. Because even if I died, there is a future assured. There's a heavenly place for me and for you who believe in him. I just think that's a great future. My future is assured. My past is forgiven, my present is happening well, and my future is assured. I think that's a great, wonderful Jesus. Till he comes. He says, would you realize there is till he comes? There's, keep on doing it. So it reminds you that there's a hope and a future. I love what God says about me in Jeremiah. He says, I give you, you know, I'm here not to curse you, I'm here to bless you, to give you a hope and a future. I think that's brilliant. This world will never give you the hope and future that you really want. It'll only be through Christ, only be through God. So today, if we have our cup and our peace, would you stand with me today? As we, we're going to close the service soon. I want you just to take, before you eat and drink, and it just says, do this in remembrance of me. So we remember him today. But also, would you take a moment to just be thankful for the benefits that he gives us? And would you just give thanks also today, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have an incredible hope and future. Wow. Thank you, God, for that. God, I just want to thank you today that because of Jesus Christ, my past is dealt with, my present is blessed, and my future is assured. I want to thank you, God, that through Jesus Christ, I have all that I need. I don't have material things necessarily, which aren't really that important in the end. They're important, but not compared to knowing you first and living for you. I just thank you for that. I thank you that my joy can be real joy, Lord, in you. Not just some ha-ha, happy, happy moment, but just a real ah, peace and strength in that. And Jesus, that you came and that you suffered an incredible, excruciating death so that I might know all this. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that was shed. Thank you for your body that was broken. And in that, I have a hope. I have forgiveness. I don't have to live in regret. And I thank you today. So just take a moment to thank him before we eat and drink. Just take a moment to consider.